0: This is your host Natalie Allport, former national team athlete and entrepreneur. And welcome to the All In podcast, where I share stories, interviews, and advice with the goal of helping you go all in. Hey. Hello, hello. How's it going?
1: Oh, it's good. It's getting... awesome.
0: Just adjusting the camera here. There you go.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just Perfect. a bit lower.
0: <laughs> awesome. What time is it over where you are?
1: Uh it's ten PM.
0: Oh wow. Up late. so awesome so thank you so much for joining me i'm so excited to chat especially after you shared with me some more information about what you do and free free diving and i know that it can apply to so many things in in life in business in sports and then just expanding on all the things that you're doing um you're you're an eight-time world champion a, a world record holder um so for those from my audience who are tuning in uh, who want to get to know you. I would love to learn more about your story. Like, how did you get into freediving? Um, I know I read up a little bit about it, and then freediving seems to be in your blood.
1: Uh, well, I got, I got into freediving uh, pretty much since I was a kid. Like, when I was a kid, I, it wasn't a sport yet, and I was swimming when I was three, four, five years old, and then we travel to the uh, Black Sea, which is like quite cold sea and then would dive there, like just holding, holding our breath, collecting seashells <laughs> and muscles. And, uh, yeah, th- then like 10, 12 years later, I would start competitive free diving. Then the sport started to develop in, in Russia and Europe. And then I would travel and join competitions when, uh, yeah, since 2004,
0: Wow. That's that's so cool. I my sport was kind of the same. Like uh snowboarding was a sport, but it wasn't in the Olympics or had those higher level competitions until, you know, pretty much the last ten ten years. So it's very similar. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the sports like free driving, snowboarding, skateboarding, all those kind of action and adrenaline fueled sports or I guess I shouldn't say adrenaline fueled sports because I think you have to be pretty calm.
1: Yeah, when free I mean, it's not it's not much so much about adrenaline now
0: yeah kind of the opposite but those alternative sports they're definitely coming up and having a place do you think that free diving might get into the olympics at some point
1: uh, i it, it definitely have a lot of potential for this and uh it's very beautiful very athletic uh, a lot of challenges uh, like you need to have a lot of skills to dive so it has all the components just need a bit of time for development but i'm sure it will it will get to olympics for sure
0: yeah that would be awesome so there's a lot of things that I want to ask you about mindset and travel and different stuff, but um, I, I want to touch and start on the point of breaking down the concept that people might think freediving is dangerous because I know you sure. can go for over eight minutes underwater, which is insane to me. And so for me, it seems very dangerous, but I know that mm-hmm. you you might have some points that break it down for those who aren't familiar with it. Well, um,
1: it's uh Not dangerous in a lot of sense. Like it's very slow sport. Like there is no speed. There is no risk of like uh, break something. And um, the only way you can injure yourself is if you're not knowing techniques, you're not equalizing your ears when you go down. So like, if you know, uh, if you have skills and you know how to equalize your ears, you'll be safe. If you know all the rules and safety rules, it's very safe sport, and uh, it's only dangerous if you dive alone, if you don't have a safety buddy, and if you don't know how to like um, compensate the pressure and deal with pressure under uh, like a depth. And um, in terms of uh, like actual health benefits of freediving, it's opposite of from what people actually think about it. And there's a lot of uh, there's quite some myths about it. It's less and less, and people like uh, know like like see it more on the social media and they see more cool pictures and they want to start free diving because they see all this like underwater like ambassadors who dive with the sharks, with the whales and uh, <laughs> have a lot of cool content. And uh, there is less hesitation. Like a lot of people like know like that, like feel that it's safe and like they feel that it's something they would like to try, even though like maybe they can hear some, some ideas about it. But in general, like one of the main thing is like, that how how unhealthy is uh, breath hold and, and it's uh, actually very uh, beneficial for health. And if you do it progressively with a small increments and small steps, uh, and there is like misunderstanding of what is it hypoxia is and what is a, a complete lack of oxygen for the brain, which happens only in like uh, cases when the heart stops, which, when it's like, it's not even connected to freediving. And like, just like if heart stops for some reason and it's like accident or something, uh, like car accident or, or something, then their brain is like limited to five minutes and then it's five minutes is the limit. But then it's only if there is no blood circulation, there is no actual a- any oxygen delivered to the brain at all. There is like zero oxygen delivery, so that's the situation which is dangerous, and that's not hypoxia. Hypoxia is this, is the condition when you have slow decrease of oxygen over time, and uh, our reserves are huge of oxygen, and we are not aware of this. And we have a lot of reserves of oxygen in the muscles, in the blood, in our lungs, and actually in our muscles and blood we have much more oxygen reserves than in the, in the lungs, and. Um, uh, Experienced freedivers can hold their breath on exhale, well, like without any inhale for a long time, like for two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, like without any inhale. Uh, and uh, in freediving, we deal with hypoxia, where the oxygen slowly, slowly goes from 100% and towards like 90, 75, uh, 60. And when we want to breathe, usually, is when we still have a lot of oxygen. Like uh, beginners, they want to breathe not because of uh le- like little amount of oxygen but because of a raising amount of uh co2 levels and mm-hmm. that's what causes urge to breathe we want to breathe when our hypoxia like hypoxia is very small like we we can have in- another 80% of oxygen available and then we already want to breathe and so we- there is a bit of <laughs> physiology behind it yeah there's a lot of, quite a lot of physiology behind it like there are things that we it's uh, like a uh, misconception, and uh, with a bit of, co- it's quite counterintuitive. Like what happens, right. uh, we think we want to breathe, but it's more CO2, and we think we have no oxygen, but we have plenty of oxygen. And being a freediver, you learn how to be efficient, how to use this oxygen, like really uh, slowly, with a good technique, with a slow movement, with a good relaxation. And uh, with adaptation, we actually, uh, while we adapt to this slow, incre- like, decrease of oxygen, our uh, lungs develop, our heart develop, our capillaries in lungs and in the brain develop. So, our actually, actually, we increase uh, ability to uh, direct, like, more blood flow to the brain. When we uh, like hold our breath, our body tries to get more blood flow to the brain, and then increases like blood flow. We have more capillaries uh, open up, and then that there is like long-term health benefits if you do free diving and you do it wisely. If you don't try to like push and <laughs> try to hold your breath for a long time immediately, that's not good in any sport. Like just damaged, you just damage
0: your right. Like someone just goes and grabs a barbell and says, "I'm going to put five hundred pounds," and exactly it's not, yeah. not going to go uh, so long.
1: Uh, or try to do a split, like try to do a split, you'd like damage you, like break your uh, tendons.
0: Yeah. Wow, that is really cool. And I, I had no idea about the different physiologies behind that. And kind of mm-hmm. like, like a lot of the messaging that I have heard is the same things that you broke down, where it's like, okay, well, after five minutes, like it's just doing damage. And so I always grew up just, you know, hearing that message. And so um, as yeah. a kid, I would try to hold my breath underwater at the cottage, at the lake. And um, right. it was always kind of like, no, don't, no, don't do that. Like, it's dangerous. You shouldn't do that for a long time. And either way, I was really bad at it. So I wasn't doing it for long right, anyway. Right. But it, it always got me thinking like, oh, maybe it's not a good thing. But now I've been getting a little bit more into breath work, uh, doing like Wim Hof breath holds, for example, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. You, you breathe out and hold. And then hearing him talk also about the physiology and then now just hearing you, I think that it actually could have a lot of benefit for athletes, especially athletes in endurance sports or any sport that needs a lot of oxygen and, you know, maybe their muscle tissues aren't getting the oxygen that they need. So they're getting, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of the, the point I'm going with this, but do you, do you find that it has a crossover with other athletes and even for yourself in your own fitness, being able to hold the breath?
1: A lot. It's a lot of benefits for all sports and for like any sports where you breathe, basically. So yeah. it increases it increases it increase benefits of fast recovery. You're uh, you know more about your body. You know more about urge to breathe. Why do you want to breathe? You know you you learn um, uh, even better techniques how to recover faster. And um, you when you do free diving, you work on flexibility on an increased. Increase the ability of intercostal muscles of uh, you improve mobility of the shoulder like shoulder blade area shoulder blades and uh, your spine your uh, like diaphragm as well and all your breathing muscles uh, become just more elastic and then it like basically you can inhale more your lung volume increases that means you can recover faster and also when you uh, when you're out of breath when you really like do a lot of like uh, powerful exercises when you inhale you don't have so much uh, resistance, and uh, basically, if you are tight in your chest and you cannot inhale much, you inhale and you like you need to go through the resistance of your own stiff muscles you're like you're like out of breath and you try to inhale and you cannot because you're stiff and then if you like, you do a little breathing exercises you l- learn uh, cueing exercises how to like develop the mobility, uh, then you can actually recover like with the less resistance you like <sighs> Really have bigger volumes, so you can you can uh, do sports more efficiently. And there was a study, like in in a sport university in Moscow, even there was a study with a, a hockey team, and uh, they were testing like hockey team, like kids team, uh, the ones who were doing breathing gymnastics for free di- for free diving. They were uh, like progressing much better than the ones who who didn't. So there was like a, even in team sports, breath hold like exercises they're really beneficial. And in me, even as a swimmer, I remember me being a kid, and I was I was swimming a lot, and I grew up in the city with a really strong history of like uh, strong teams, swimming teams, and um, we were doing exercises, and a lot of breath holds were part of the routine for me being a swimmer. Like a lot of uh, breath holds, a lot of. Uh, swims where you uh, have very rare inhales you swim with a short breath hole, but you just have one inhale and you continue one inhale and you continue and then you swim like that for like one kilometer and then you acc- accumulate so much co2 uh, but then you have very good resistance to the high co2 levels so actually getting yeah. to know all these things about hypoxia about hypercapnia about increased mobility and increasing lung volume is really, really beneficial for everything, for the general life, like for athletes, for non-athletes. Recently, we're like uh, teaching some of the gymnastics to the uh, older people, 65 years plus. We have a lot of like actual free divers in, uh, in older age who <laughs> enjoy free diving, like being 80 years old, like who do breath holds of eight minutes and diving to big depths. Uh, but also people who never did free diving. Recently, we were like teaching them breath holds like people smoke, they would have like, like mm. not healthy at all. And they would do like short breathing exercises, breathing gymnastics, a bit of like this, uh, like inhales, breath hold, exhale, short breath hold. And like this, like uh, breathing cycles where you really prolong breathing cycle, not being like five seconds, but being like, 20 seconds, 25, 30 seconds, one cycle, and going cycle after cycle, like really, like working, working on the volume, working on their CO2 resistance, and like on technique or breathing. And then, then a the person would do, 65-year-old person would do like 16 seconds breath hold before they start the uh, training, and then one minute after, like 20-minute training, and then she would say, like that's first time in her life, being 65 years old, she feels like she actually breath because wow. before she thinks like she was breathing only with like a third of her lungs for the whole life. So that's like uh, how powerful their breathing exercises are of freedivers because freedivers are there like actually like there, it's the more specific breathing exercises there is. And and I, I know Wim Hof method, I heard about it and it's attached to the, it's something I don't do much. I'm not so, such a big fan of cold, <laughs> but it's, it's something attached to the cold temperatures and stuff like that, it's very interesting. Uh, it's though not recommended for free diving, so like you don't do this. Yeah, I, was, I I didn't practice them myself, but just I just know that you don't practice those for breath holds for free diving. Actual free diving is dangerous, uh, and it's different approach, very different approach. Right. So free diving breathing exercises and breathing gymnastics are very different, and they're like actual all focused on developing lungs and like uh, learning more about your like how to improve breath hold, how to deal with it, and uh, wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is really cool. That got me so interested in in breathing exercises because I've always been interested, especially just for my sport. Um, you get your heart rate up really high and you're breathing so much, um, and so, yeah, that that would be really cool to push through, especially when you're doing you know hard runs, sprinting, all these things, and you're trying to keep up in a workout. I think that these mm-hmm, breathing yeah. exercises could be really beneficial, especially with the CO2 tolerance that you mentioned. Is right, there any? Right breathing exercise that's like a really basic one that anyone, whether an athlete or not, that you would say would be beneficial for people to do? Uh,
1: Well, the basic one, uh, which would be sure to describe, like there are ones that need to be showed and like really guided through, where uh, you learn how to do exhale breath hold with like emptying your lungs and stretching the diaphragm, pulling the diaphragm up and uh, like really getting better and better with uh, dealing with how how to do... uh, bigger and bigger exhale, like full inhale and like doing the mobility exercises with a full inhale. But uh, full inhale should be performed only like sitting. If you're doing a standing breath hold, with full inhale, you can get dizzy. So you should really be careful with increased uh, 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 like lung pressure. Like if you inhale a lot, your lung pressure increases, then you can get dizzy. So it should be really slow inhale, like step by step, like, like 20%, 40% get used to it, 60%. like So it's like step by step. Yeah. And um, those, like if you if you want to try to do full inhales, full exhales, like do them in a sitting position and uh, just work, it, you can work on the mobility while you hold your breath on full inhale. So full inhale, try to like arch your back, roll your back for shoulders forward. Like you can stretch to the sides. So very, very basic exercises. just getting used to the full inhale and spending more time with a full inhale and uh, but go like all the way to the full lungs with this little steps. Uh, but very cool one, which is pretty simple, is this uh, exercise where you uh, like lo- prolong your cycles, breathing cycles. You inhale for longer, you hold the breath for like c- a certain period of time, then you exhale uh, really like try to exhale for like five, 10 seconds, like really slowly, like, uh, like holding you, like uh, giving a bit of resistance. And then uh, breath hold on exhale is something you can add a little bit later, it's not something it'll be easy to add in the beginning, but later on you have a little bit of breath hold like five seconds on inhale, 10 seconds on and exhale. Uh, and then this exercise is very simple, you just basically make the whole cycle uh, 20 seconds in the beginning, 25, 30 seconds, so you the whole cycle like one, two, three, four, It's 30 seconds. And then the goal is to uh, be able to hold the cycle, not to go down in time. Uh, You don't need to uh, start high. You just need to uh, be able to do this 30-second cycle for five minutes. And then while Ah. you do so, you get used to the big volume, like to the full lungs. And you have time, and your breathing muscles will stretch because you spend quite some time. It's not intense breath hold. It doesn't need to be a long breath hold, but you do quite some volume of repetitions, so you actually get used to it. Your diaphragm stretches, your breathing muscles stretch. And then you slowly increase the time. You go with the 35 seconds, uh, 35 seconds cycles, and uh, the whole exercise, you make it longer. You make it, like, uh, six minutes, and then seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes, ten minutes, and then you then you progress towards like 15 20 minutes, and it's really really good training. Like you just start, and it's a whole workout where you uh, you you can progress also to one cycle being one minute, and yeah. then if you do one minute cycle, and the whole training takes fifteen minutes, for example, it's already a good workout. You like you work on your breathing muscles, you increase your CO2 tolerance. And you improve your technique. You can, you learn, really learn how to inhale because you do it many times and you want to do it the fullest you can. So that's one of the simple ones, like really like long cycles, a lot of repetitions of those cycles. And no rest. You don't have have rest. You basically exhale, pause, and then you inhale right away. You don't have recovered breaths between.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm going to be, so if anyone's watching, I'm going to be saving this to IGTV after as well as the audio for my podcast. So you can go back and like listen to this all and or watch this all and do these exercises because I know I'm going to be, I'm gonna go back and, and uh, note it down so I could do it.
1: Okay, that, and you can put, uh, write in, in the comments, like how much did you do, how, how many uh, rounds, what was the round time and what was the total time?
0: Yeah, yeah, and then see how you progress. That would yeah. be, yeah, I, I would love to, tr- I'm definitely gonna try those things. Um, I noticed Martin commented and he asked, what sensations do you feel during a long uh, breath hold?
1: Well, uh, in the long breath hold, you have several phases. You have phase where you enjoy it a lot. And then if you can relax with a full inhale, if you feel like you have too much pressure, then it's maybe like uh, it's too much of air in the lungs. You you shouldn't inhale so much. With more practice, you'll be comfortable with full inhale. And then in the first phase, it's all comfortable. You just like enjoy. If you do breath hold laying in the bed, it's very pleasant uh and it's really like a pleasant time then uh, there is a phase where this disc- like a bit of discomfort starts to kick in and you feel a bit of urge to breathe and you basically if it's new sensations for you you just try to get used to them you relax more you don't try to fight through them uh you feel that you have a bit of urge to breathe and you try to uh, observe them and relax even more and then you're not passively trying to relax you try to like drop your shoulders, try to drop your chest, try to relax your abdominal muscles and let your diaphragm be stretched out. So you actively try to do these things and you can even have a little body movement like you're, you're maybe uh, have a bit of tension in the abdominal muscles and you relax them. Then you have a bit of tension again and relax them. So you have a bit of the, it's like actual like breath hold, even static breath hold. Uh, there's a lot of technical uh, things in it. It's not just laying and doing nothing. You have actual <laughs> technique or breath hold even without swimming, so then you deal with it, you get used to discomfort, and then you slowly progress, Uh, you don't need to do it every time, like actually uh, pushing your like uh, time and trying to go like into discomfort too much will, will really exhaust your nervous system, so like you should take a bit of time to recover, don't do like long breath holds every time, uh, you should do occasionally like once a week if you're new to that. And then other exercises should be with the short breath holds just to learn like uh, to work on the on the uh, volume on the sides of your lungs and uh, like stretch your intercostal muscles. And then with more practice, you will get into the stage where your discomfort level will stop rising and you'll feel a bit of discomfort if you can relax really well. You'll feel how you have how blood shift. And blood shift is what actually improves like, uh, it, like it like delivers more oxygen to your brain. And the blood shift is uh, the moment when your blood will go from your arms, from your skin, will go towards central organs, towards your lungs, uh, towards your heart and towards your brain. And then you feel, feel increased pressure, like, and then you need to relax as well, because then you might also naturally feel like, okay, it's it's a lot of pressure. And then your discomfort level will stay the same and you can just like relax through those sensations. And uh, then you, uh, at some point your discomfort will start to like become stronger and stronger again. And you have some time before that. And uh, you just like, you just get to know your body more and more. Like, it's like, it's like an adventure. You discover those sensations, you learn how to relax more. And that's the stages like roughly like comfort stage like transition stage, and then like discomfort stage. But the one, that you don't perceive as very much like very like uh, this uncomfortable one it's like a stage where you feel a bit of uh, like uh, fatigue and tiredness but then it's like an exercises you have uh, if you're new to the sport if you do push-ups or you run you get tired you stop right and and you do push-ups you get muscle fatigue you stop with more practice you're actually tired but you can keep going you can continue running etc etc so same in freediving uh just make sure that you do it on land safely and then uh, if you will do it in the water you always have safety who controls you so you have a body and who uh, that's one of the things in freediving it should be really always super you should always be supervised by the body safety right. and then you're safe and then and then uh their second stage the stage where you feel a bit of discomfort can be as long as a comfortable stage so with more practice you your comfortable stage gets like longer and uh with more practice your uncomfortable stage becomes more familiar and you can actually hold your breath uh, almost as as long as the comfortable uh like so that's interesting Uh and then for example like in the beginning the comfortable part can be one minute and then uncomfortable comfortable part will be like you'll just be able to hold it for another 10 seconds 20 seconds that's that's, that's what enough. happens to me <laughs> that, that's enough and then the more you relax the more your lung develop the more flexible you are the comfortable uh, like phase will become longer like one ten, one twenty, 120 and then the uncomfortable one will become more familiar you'll do two minutes and then you will make it like three and four and like uh, in comparison to where you can progress with the workouts and then you progress with the workouts not with the one Breath holds, one breath holds will not move you, will not allow you to progress far. You need to do repetitions like in any sport. You need to do like 10 repetitions of one minute breath hold, like rest for one minute. So you actually, you progress through repetitions through volume. And those repetitions should not be too hard. Like they should be, you should feel like how you really have a lot of work in them. You like relax, but they, should, they shouldn't be too hard. And then with those repetitions you grow. And at some point you can have like three minute comfort of comfort and like another three minutes of of a bit of discomfort. So it's really like uh, uh, like possible to have like three, four minutes of no urge to breathe with a, a bit of practice, with a bit of flexibility. So you like stay there and like for three minutes, for four minutes, you're just like, okay, whatever. Like you're like in the, like on the bed or in the water and you like to have complete comfort, you enjoy and like floating. There's no gravity. You feel like you you're like it's it's amazing. When you learn how to relax really well, it's like it's 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 very pleasant. Ah,
0: oh, yeah, I would love to get to that point because even just I try to do, uh, yeah, like the Wim Hof breathing for example in the morning. And so I'll hold my breath and it'll be like uh, maybe a minute, and all of a sudden I get so uncomfortable that, like you said, it'll be like ten more seconds, and then that's it, and I can't go any longer. Um, and I just, yeah, it's mentally I just feel like, oh my gosh, I need to breathe. But I do get that feeling where it almost feels like my fingers start to tingle and um, different things. So perhaps the the blood flow thing that you were talking about. Now, well, I the, oh, the,
1: the, the finger the fingers start to tingle before the breath breath hold or towards the end of the breath
0: hold. Uh, yeah, towards the end. So like I've, I I exhale and then I don't breathe for about uh, I guess it's like a minute and then all of a sudden I start to get uncomfortable. But I start feeling like. My hands and my feet—it's kind of a cool feeling.
1: Yeah, and it's—it's it's the blood shift. Yeah, because if you have this before the breath hold, that means your head hyperventilation, too much mm. of ventilation, and then you basically hyperventilation does not add oxygen to your system. That's what one of the awesome uh, uh, information that is not correct. Like, uh, uh, yeah. like you with the active breathing, you have no additional benefit of breath hold. Uh, like if you breathe actively. It doesn't like all the world records in freediving or in any world records in like uh, breath hold done without hyperventilation because it's dangerous. It's improved, increased the danger of a breath hold, and it doesn't add oxygen to our system. Like there is just no way we nowhere we can store like any significant amount of oxygen. There is a slight improvement, but not like not important. So actually that's one of the myths as well. Like with hyperventilation, all you do is you get rid of CO2 and then you remove CO2 from your system. And that's basically, it's a stress for your body where it doesn't perform as well. It doesn't like deliver oxygen as well. So if you breathe actively, like really like all the time, you might have this tingling sensation in your body. And that means that at this moment, your body uh, does not deliver oxygen to the tissues well. So it's not like additional oxygen because like we have storages, if you break down the storages of the oxygen, we have like about 10, 15% of storage of oxygen in the muscles and that's always there. Like if you didn't just run and stuff, like if you're fresh, if you're sitting on the couch, if you're in the water, you'll have oxygen in the muscles. You have about like 50% of oxygen storage in the blood and uh, if you tr- if you check it at any time with a, like with a little device on the finger they are really like affordable and they're everywhere we I always have, have yeah. you have one we we'll, we'll always have like 97 98% of oxygen in our blood so we're all, we're fine with that we don't need extra breathing to increase our blood saturation uh, it's it's almost full and for the lung uh, renewal of lung uh, air uh, we just need one full exhale one full inhale and we have enough of oxygen in our body. So for the like world record of breath in breath hold, you need that. You need to just calm down your breathing, practically like focus on relaxation and free divers before the dive, the goal is not to breathe because that's like actually makes your breathing muscles much more like tense. They breathing muscles, they work and they consume oxygen. And then if you breathe really heavily before the dive, your breathing muscles will be in tonus. So your, breath- your chest will be not as flexible for compression. So that's bad as well. And before the dive, your goal is to relax your breathing muscles, not to breathe at all, and to get to the state where you don't want to breathe. Uh, basically, you relax your breathing, you slow down your breathing so much, like really like, just sigh, like one time, and then you like slow down your breathing like and pause. And you try to feel like you don't want to breathe before the dive and that's the best uh state before the dive so after this you basically can have just one deep inhale and you can go if you want to have a couple more like two or three you can do two or three more but then that's it that's the limit otherwise you will start to be high, you start to hyperventilate and that's bad because if you hyperventilate you don't get more oxygen as i said before and that's like a bit a bit counterintuitive that's something we think we'll get more oxygen but we don't and we actually like get rid of CO2 and that's not uh, normal for our body, like we need CO2 to, to function well. If there is even like disease when you have a like a um, chronical hyperventilation syndrome where like people would hyperventilate a bit constantly and then it, it's really it's really bad for like organs, it can cause all sorts of like diseases and, it's bad so we better with breathing like very slowly very calmly and that's the best preparation and then if you don't have enough co2 in your system your oxygen will be stuck in your bloodstream and in your lungs it is like the that's the tricky part about the physiology which was counterintuitive completely to us like if we hyperventilate if you get rid of co2 the oxygen is not delivered to the brain well is not delivered to the tissues well. So basically with hyperventilation, we get hypoxic. That's the tricky part. Like with breathing heavily, after like 30 seconds of breathing heavily, we, it decreases our blood, uh, our brain oxygenation by like 50% or more. So we start to get dizzy, we start to get a bit hypoxic. So that's an interesting part about hyperventilation. You hyperventilate, and you get hypoxic in your brain. And that's why you get lightheaded. That's why you get all this uh, like aphoric. It's because you get actually hypoxic. So that's it's a stress factor for, uh, and then we don't want it before diving. It's dangerous. Uh, so uh, that, that's just I wanted something to like highlight because you said about tingling in the fingers and stuff. And you don't want this before diving. It means that you're is right. and it's dangerous. And then that's the interesting part like where you like, you start to dive in the most like in the safest way. You just relax you relax the breathing muscles, your ribcage is soft, you have enough CO2 in the system, which is better than not having enough. And then you just do one deep inhale and you go. And because uh, you have enough oxygen, you just know this intellectually, uh, you're you're like sure about your limits, you're sure about your reserves, uh, then you're calm. And then when you feel urge to breathe, you know, that's because like CO2 is raising, but you should also know when your CO2 is raising, your uh, oxygen delivery is more efficient yeah, than it's good for the body when you have a lot of CO2. And the only thing free divers need to learn is how to relax with this increased CO2 levels. So that's that's something we learn. We like we de- we learn how to deal with CO two, how to relax with CO two, and then your capillaries actually expand more. You have an increased blood circulation in the brain. So that's that's where the whole benefits of freediving is. is like you learn how to have more CO two, learn how to deal with it, and your uh, capillaries uh, adjust to that. So that's 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 the story about all this ventilation stuff.
0: Wow! Yeah. So I've learned I to do everything wrong <laughs> because I think the actually the Wim Hof is is like, it's that extreme breathing, you're going <gasps> Yeah, and that's different yeah. goal,
1: and that's a different goal. Like, that's why he, he also uh, uh, warns that it's not for freediving. It's not right. allowed to do this, and that's why in freediving, it's completely different goals, like very different lung development uh, techniques, and when we hope it's, uh, it's, it's like a stress in your body, it's like like you stress it this way, you stress it another way, and then you stress it with the cold, so his methodics is different, and right. it's, it's working, a lot of people love it, but it's not meant to develop your breath hold. It's not meant to be a good freediver, right? So just like something really to separate, like this one is not for breath hold, not for diving, and it's not even like, and, and he says it also the same way.
0: Yeah. So I wonder. I think for me, probably, especially for competing in uh, like in fitness and doing a lot of the workouts, probably the freediving breath hold technique will be better for me to improve my my fitness and my workout performance oh, than the whale for,
1: for sports, definitely like uh, getting like making your lungs bigger, working on the mobility, using the breathing gymnastics from freediving free for long size. Uh, and learning how to deal with CO2 because in sports, you have a lot of CO2. You work out, you have elevated levels of CO2. So you gotta learn how to deal with them, how to and how to make your capillaries more flexible to deal with elevated CO2 levels. Uh, so in this case, it's more like beneficial this way. In in dealing with cold, this is where we hope is more beneficial like in, in that. And I see the one question about uh, lung packing. So Alec, uh, one, uh, a a man asks about packing so that's what I uh, like he says that with like packing your lungs to 100% feels uncomfortable and then when it's 90% it's much more comfortable so that's precisely what I meant when I said that to feel comfortable with 100% you need it takes time it takes a bit of uh, practice and then you will feel comfortable so uh, it's more beneficial to have full lungs but if you cannot relax with full lungs then you shouldn't right
0: right kind of like with lifting a heavy weight, like you might get stronger lifting the heavier weight, but if you can't do it with good form or good posture, it's not actually going to make any significant improvement. Right. Very cool. So I know we talked a lot about the physiology. And I think a lot of this does relate back to the mental aspect, because if you've mastered these breathing gymnastics and these things, then it makes it less scary when you're doing it underwater. My question for you would be, do you get scared at points when say you've you've dove your deepest, you've gone as just as far as you can possibly go. And then what happens when you're like, I can't go any further. And now you have to go all the way back up. What, what's that feeling like?
1: Uh, Well, so here's, it's a little bit different in reality than what it seems. And that's interesting. Like a lot of, uh, I get all the time, the question, like how, how, how is it at the bottom? How, like, and then what happens in your head when you have another 130 meters to go up? Uh, So, it seems this way because <clears throat> like people would watch my dive, 230 meters, they will record dive with the monofin and then they will think like, okay, like this is like, he tried it like to go as deep as possible and now I need to go back. But what is invisible is all the years and thousands of dives to get there. So in reality, actually, you feel very confident because, and then if you would feel uncomfortable, like not confident, uh, the dive would be very dangerous and it'll be hard to do that. Uh, so uh, you you put practice, in 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 preparation to the dive, you put a lot of hours of practice, and um, uh, basically to get to 130, I need to do dozens of dives to 125 plus. And when and then I know my routine, I know my preparation breathing, I know my like my duck dive, dive, and uh, like the way I'm kicking the first meters, the way I'm relaxing on the free fall phase when you relax and you free fall. After 30 meters, you don't need to do any, you don't need to do anything, you just like sink down without any efforts, like with a speed of one meter per per second. And uh and then when you turn, it's hard part, you need to go up with a lot of like power because you negative, negative buoyancy. And but it also is something you practice over like hundreds of dives, and uh it's familiar to you, right? So it's it's something just like it's people like curious about it because it seems like that's just like so hard, but for professional freedivers, it's something they practice time, like uh, put a lot of hours into that. So that's, I think it's just uh, explains basically pretty much any outstanding performance you see out there. If you see some Olympic champion, like well, like uh, like 100 meters sprint, it's not like they just like, okay, let's do 100 meters, like nine seconds or less than nine, like, uh, then it's like, Like uh, a lot of hours every day put into practice. So same in freediving. I'm going down. I'm turning. I'm going up, and I'm confident I can do this because I did it a lot of times. And I did it like maybe a couple of meters shallower, but I still I did it like similar distance. So you can have a a bit of anxiety, a bit of stress because of competition, but you learn how to deal with this. Like because in freediving you really like you gotta lower your heart rate. You cannot be like stressed, otherwise your oxygen consumption elevates. So like you learn how to control your emotions, control your heart rate, control, control your breathing. And then like learning how to manage stress is one of the key things in in freediving, which is pretty much useful a lot in everyday life and in business. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. I really like that. And I like that you said that it was, it's because you have that confidence all those years of training. And I think that's so important for athletes to put into perspective because I was talking to another athlete and she's um, a track and field Olympian. And she was saying, if you show up on your meet, And you have all this anxiety, this fear, probably is because you didn't, you know, you don't trust your training, you didn't do all the things that you were supposed to, you know, that you skip these workouts, or that you might not be able to do the performance that you think you can versus, you know, for me with snowboarding, for example, if I'm going to a competition, and, you know, I'm like, okay, I've done this trick a million times, I'm not worried that I might, you know, fall and land on my head. And uh you know something bad could happen. I'm not worried about those things, versus if you show up somewhere and you know you haven't been prepared, you didn't have the best training, things haven't been going well. you don't have that confidence. That's where I think a lot of fear comes from
1: exactly yeah yeah and then you, you, uh, that's uh, we can um, we can think about two levels of like trust, let's say trust in your abilities, so you with the practice you have more and more trust in your abilities. And that's what allows you to go for like dive deeper, like jump higher, or do things. So you trust in ability, and then you trust in uh, uh, like in uh, like all people who surround you, all the team who would support you. So let's say like everything which outside, so everything which inside of you, and everything which outside. So you, when you dive, you got to trust environment. Let's say, and that includes the sea, like there. Uh, safety team and basically know you're safe. If you're unsure, like for example, if you would be diving without proper safety, you wouldn't have a good like team of safety who would meet you, who would uh, see like uh, look after you during the dive, you wouldn't be able to relax, right? So here is two components like trusting in your ability and trusting in in the environment, like including like being able to relax at depth, being comfortable with the dark colors, with a black sea, with like uh, whatever conditions are around you, you gotta relax and like gotta trust uh, the water. And then you trust into the team and the people and everything like basically. So then then you're relaxed. If, you, if you're tense, you need to find the reason why you're tense. Is it like not trusting your, your skills or not trusting your preparation and training or not trusting like something going on around you? Like maybe you have waves, you have a bit of like uh, a bit of current and then you like get tense because you know like if something unexpected can happen at depth, then basically you cancel the dive, you come back early. That happens all the time. You need to analyze like uh, what's going on around you and inside of you all the time.
0: Wow. Yeah, I saw a comment that, that went past and it was saying that um, this seems like it really relates and helps with calming down in real life. And I think that's why I've enjoyed chatting with athletes about mindset so much is because especially now when there's a lot of you know variables in the world we don't know what's happening there's a lot of fear i think that athletes and their mindset especially for a sport like yours where it's so um i say extreme i know we broke down that that misconception but for other people looking in it seems extreme but it the the athletes and the sports give us this Um, really good relation to life when it comes to stress management, because you're being put into these high pressure situations a lot. And it goes back to, you know, you've built your confidence. You've done these things many times. I think that can go for anyone. If they're trying to get a new job, they're trying to relax in their life. If they're driving to a new place, like whatever it is in life, I think that these tips really cross over.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I I know we, uh, we have about 17 minutes left here and we talked tons about breathing and mindset and fear and I know we want to talk a little bit about travel and all the really cool opportunities that free diving um, can provide. So I'd love to ask you, like, where is your favorite place to dive and what are the, some of the coolest places that you've been?
1: Well, it's, uh, I, I, well, I, that's what I love about freediving. It's uh, traveling. I think that's one of their, one of their main reasons when, when I started doing that, I was like, okay, like, I did, a lot of, I did a lot of swimming when I was a kid, and when I was 17, I was already swimming for many years in competitions. And I was thinking, okay, freediving looks cool because it's a sport, but and then you gotta travel, you you dive in all these uh, tropical locations, and and in cold locations as well. Like I had experience diving in like uh, Arctic uh, under the ice, and uh, uh, but but it's traveling, it's awesome, and there is so many beautiful places it's always for me hard to pick one and say this is my most favorite one there is like all different types of diving and including cold diving so for example one of the most exotic uh diving was diving with whales like you have all these like giant whales 15 meter whales where oh. you're like they just next to you some of them don't care they just pass and then they don't look at you but then some of them would stop look at you with this just giant eye and like start to interact with you start to like like try to show off try to show the belly <laughs> you you would turn around they would turn around to so there were like a lot of awesome uh, like interactions with whales and uh that would be in tonga or like uh, one of one another you know, exotic one uh, hard one in almost 0 degrees celsius water like even less in the salt water it can be less than 0 like minus 2 uh, celsius and it was in arctic and i saw walruses so like like next to me and the walrus would come young one they would be curious and that was an amazing experience like interacting with the giant walruses and then you have uh like mexico like uh with a lot of varieties with uh, like cenotes in the jungles uh sharks on the coast like uh, atlantic uh, ocean coast and uh you have like uh, pacific part of Mexico where you have uh, sea lions, Californian sea lions and also whales. So like Mexico is amazing for diving. Bahamas is amazing because there's this Dean's Blue Hole, uh, famous Dean's Blue Hole with uh, like um, amazing conditions for competitions and just beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, Indonesia is great. Like Indonesia, Philippines, a lot of great locations there for diving. And uh, it's one of the like, Biggest hubs in the world right now for diving, like a lot of schools, a lot of uh, free diving, like uh, athletes and uh, lifestyle, like even athletes right now. There are not so much professional athletes in free diving. A lot of lifestyles, like sport approach in free diving. People do this, like like now people do triathlon, marathons, like they would compete just because of fun, of like a personal challenge. So in freediving they would go to these places like there are some small competitions, not world championships, but like local competitions and people would just participate to challenge themselves. So freediving became like lifestyle sport as well and grows really a lot. Uh, yeah, so Red Sea, Red Sea is great. It's really like place which is close to me and uh, like that's where I was doing a lot of, a lot of training. So it's a it's ton, it's ton of locations. Like we have so many, so much water in the world and we see a lot of different like good and sometimes bad we see like trash and the divers face different environmental issues in the water, like which people right. on land don't see. So sometimes we jump in the water, we see like trash, which just gets into the face. So there's something like we, we are like more exposed to this problem, which, which well, then comparing to people which don't dive, don't see it. And uh, that's another another issue. Like we see the water. Yeah, I, but yeah. It, it's just like it's so much of uh, actual like so 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 many adventures in in free diving, and that's varieties awesome. and what you can do. You can like you can you can train. You can uh, travel. You can see different uh, interesting animals. You can f- do pot- photography. You can do science. Yeah, so tons of things
0: wow yeah what you said about the the oceans and being dirty really resonated i've been to, to ba- uh, bali twice and there was so so dirty the beaches and like the um yeah just like the water like just going surfing or snorkeling like you see so much garbage
1: yeah so, not always so sometimes it's 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 actually like you go somewhere it's beautiful and it's clean and then it's just like then then uh, then another day you come at the same place and then it's dirty Like some 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 rains happen and then like stuff got washed from the shore like to the beach and then and in the water so it's just yeah. like it's different and it's uh yeah it's heartbreaking to see those things sometimes and then sometimes it's really beautiful so it's both and then a lot of uh, especially in bali there are some organizations that really try to solve the problem and start to solve it on uh on their like level where the problem starts like people from uh, villages they don't they just not used to use uh, like trash bins because oh like some time ago there was no plastic bags and then they were living for hundreds of years eating and then just dumping the trash into their like off their into the river mm-hmm. and uh, that's what they keep doing even though it, uh, now they have plastic bags because there's just no culture of like having even there's no even infrastructure to have trash bins in all the least remote villages in indonesia so like that's what happens and then it just washed to the sea uh, or in maldives for example it's beautiful amazing but the problem of trash is also elevating because same thing like people who lived all, all their lives on those islands uh, for them, ocean is just, like, it's infinite. You just throw things there and disappears. And that's, they always did with the trash, which was or- organic, and then it's fine. But now they just, like, throw the plastic bag with all the trash or, like, uh, cook a, like a can of uh, soda, like, throw it in the ocean. And in, in their mentality, it's, it's okay because it's just, like, it goes somewhere. It's, like, this is my island, and everything outside is, I don't care about it, right? It's, <laughs> it's just something which need to be addressed and, yeah. and it takes time.
0: Definitely. It's yeah, it's such a deep rooted problem. And it was interesting to see your perspective on it where, yeah, like those people were they were just organic waste. So it's hard to change their mindset because they don't really realize the damage of those other items because it's just the way they've always done things. Yeah. So uh yeah, we have about ten minutes left. I have a few last questions I wanna ask, but before I get into those, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about I know you have um like a free driving brand that you run. So what, what things are you doing on the business side? Um, because like you said, free has a lot of a different lifestyle aspect and I'm sure that you have some really cool things that you're working on.
1: Well, uh, we like, we have a company and we work on, uh, spreading freediving love worldwide <laughs> it's uh, it's basically it's a company where we have different directions uh two main directions and one is something which i started personally it's gear uh side of, of business and uh it's gear which i developed for myself and uh like in our gear it's Molchinos like started back in 2010 uh, as a family brand and now it's like international company And uh, in our gear, it was set more than, I was setting my world records with our gear, but now it's more than 50 world records set in our gear. And it's for top athletes and as well as for recreational purposes as well. And that's my passion. I just love to like develop it, improve it. And that's something we really, the second part is for me, which is really important is, uh, 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 keep developing the education system, which my mom found, uh, she was starting to work on education system and training system back in 2005. And it was a system which, uh, really helped to raise level of freediving in Russia. And, uh, like, uh, I was using it to, to grow as a freediving, freediver. And then we basically started to really like, uh, go international with it, uh, 2018 and, uh, that's direction where we uh, like teach people freediving with our also Molchnov's education system, and uh, then we focus on growing the community. Uh, we have a lot of fun aspects of being a member of community, where it's like badges, it's challenges. So we have like have some breath hold challenges, and like people w- w- would get like certain score, they would get like badges and awarded like with a green, <laughs> blue, red, gold badge. And like last last one, we we, should, we just launched, and if you're keen to see the challenges, uh, you go to Molchanov's free diving, uh, like uh, YouTube or Instagram, and then there you will see the jumping jack CO2 challenge. So it's basically a challenge where you learn how to deal with CO2, elevated levels of CO2, and you hold your breath while doing jumping jacks. And then you do it in a way where you do five jumping jacks and you do one inhale, like exhale, inhale. And you do six jumping jacks, exhale, inhale, seven one breath, eight, one breath. And then you keep raising, you keep, keep like uh, adding one more. And then when you get to 12, you got a green badge. If you get to 15, you got a like blue badge, 18 uh, for red and 21 for the gold. And it takes time, time. And then yeah. by the time you do, you do 10, you're already like out of breath. And that's not too much of hypoxia actually there. It's more of CO2, uh, like ray, the CO2 level raise, uh and that's hard, uh, but that's, like, teaches you how to do the things uh, efficiently, like, with relaxation, and that's, like, just fun challenge uh, with lunch. So oh, th- that's, the, that's the whole direction. That's the whole direction of the business, like, gear, community, education, and uh, raising level of awareness about free diving in the world.
0: I like it, because especially from you as a top athlete in the sport, that not only is it, like, a great business, but it helps you give back and raise the – the level of the sport itself which is so i think it's so important for sports like free diving um for example in in my previous sport of snowboarding all those sports mm-hmm. that are still growing they need athletes who are at the top like yourself to go and give back and keep growing the community yeah
1: yeah,
0: yeah that's and, awesome and it's not
1: just me it's not just me we have an amazing team like we have uh, top educators in their like in free diving in our team and we have uh, like a big team who, who is actually like pushing different directions and um, uh, yeah. And currently we like the all, the core team for education is international. It's all over the world, like from United States, from Indonesia, from Australia, from Europe. It's like a very, very international team. But The, the main office we're like incorporated in Singapore and that's where like we work from.
0: Oh, awesome, super cool. All right, I have a couple of really quick questions. I guess we have five, yeah, five minutes it says here. Um, what would you be doing if freediving didn't exist? What uh, What do you think you would be doing? Um.
1: Well, I guess I wouldn't. <laughs> if it wouldn't exist, I wouldn't know about it. So one of my, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't struggle because I would not know about it. But I yeah, like fantasizing and thinking about it. I think uh, I really liked swimming when I was a kid. Then I like really liked violin. I played uh, seven years in a musical school. Oh. I was playing in like in little kids orchestra and uh, maybe i would be a musician i would i loved computers as well i was assembling computers when i was a kid so my uh, education is connected to software and being an uh, it specialist so maybe i would be like just doing something like this and i think i think a lot of the um a lot of influence on us uh, comes from from childhood and from our parents so but me being a freediver it's all thanks to my mother because she raised me as a swimmer she would also send me to the musical school and then she would start freediving first and then she would invite me to join freediving so that then i joined freediving and because i had a good i had good foundation uh, being a swimmer good technique then I, I i really improved my performance fast in sport and became a top freediver but if my parents would like uh send me somewhere else and make me do something else. I think it just, it all comes from childhood and from the parents and uh, that's where it all starts. I don't know, like in your snowboarding career, like did it come from your personal interest or maybe it helped like uh, something in your childhood helped you to start that, uh, what was it, sorry.
0: Yeah, my my parents were into skiing and we lived out West where there's a lot of mountains. So we started skiing at like two years old, but then yeah, no one in my family snowboarded actually. I, I just saw that it was really cool. But we had already been around the snow, skiing, all those things. And and my family is very active. They always, like, pushed me to be an athlete. So I knew I was going to be an athlete in something. So, yeah, it was hockey for a long time. And then I switched to snowboarding when I I started it. I just loved it immediately. And so, yeah, so then I would go with them when they would go skiing, but they would ditch me. (laughs) They would leave me and they would ski and I would try to teach myself how to snowboard. But at least I was out there with them and hanging out. So it was good.
1: Yeah so you see it's, it's it's all comes from or from that or from your own maybe like you also can find your own path like yourself but it's it's something it's interesting it's, I think it's a lot so it's hard to actually Yeah
0: no, I do think a lot covered. comes from parents like my my dad's an entrepreneur and that's what led me into now entrepreneurship just from that he would always make us do businesses growing up and things like that so it's kind of cool Um okay so last question I have is if you could describe your legacy or the legacy you want to have in your life in just one word, what would the word be
1: okay legacy in one word um uh, i think uh, uh well i can i can i can i think currently if uh what I'm trying to do now and what i'm trying to do is uh, like to motivate people like motivation in terms of like personal abilities so like when i'm thinking of my own performance my own me being an example like being being a top athlete it's not something i do for like to uh just for my personal satisfaction is like i do this and i know that a lot of people watch me a lot of people take example of like they look at free diving like free diving they want to like uh, learn how to free dive so that's like motivating people to inspiring people like to do that and uh, showing and then also showing them that it's everything they like if they think they cannot hold their breath they think they have limitations they imagine Uh, I want to inspire people to try and uh, actually make sure they're they they can do much more than they think they can do so it's like I think currently I I like to think about my role is like inspiring people and motivating people like in Like that will be like a current legacy. What happens in a couple of years or ten years? I don't know. I think uh, me being a top athlete, it's my like duty to inspire people and give example.
0: I like that a lot. I think that is that is an awesome perspective, because some athletes sometimes they just they do things for hype or whatever it is. And it's it's really awesome to speak with athletes who um, they do it to motivate the next generation. I know for me, that's that's a lot of my motivation coming out of snowboarding Mm -hmm. and all these sports is how can I motivate, you know, young athletes to follow their path and even non athletes. I think just people seeing athletes pursue what they love, which is sport makes them think okay i want to be uh, a doctor or i want to be this and and they go for it yeah sure. awesome well thank you so much for joining me i love this conversation anyone who's tuning in if you like this episode please share it with a friend share it on social media tag me at natalie allport and check out my website www com. thank you for tuning in